The Education Channel supports individual educational goals and encourages creativity for all. Visit uctv.tv slash education. The purpose of this interview is to better inform Chicano and Chicano and Latino and Latina communities about college. Having said that, my name is Jorge Hernandez. I work for UCSD TRIO and... I'm going to have uh, an interview with a counselor at one of our school sites. So you might want to present yourself. Hi, my name is Isela Medina. I am a proud alum of the preschool UCSD and UC San Diego. I am a, a high school counselor at Mount McGill High School in Spring Valley, California. And I'm excited to be here. When a student starts high school, in what ways can a school counselor help the parent and the student? Okay, that's a great question. So when we have our incoming ninth graders or even 10th to 12th graders who are coming to a brand new school and moving into town, I think it's really important that the counselor and the student check in in some way, shape or form, whether that's a formal orientation or in person or nowadays over Zoom so that the student can put the name to the face and know who the person is, whom they can go to for academic, social, emotional and career questions. Um, and so that responsibility, I think, does fall on the counselor because uh, incoming ninth graders don't necessarily know um, the the layout of the high school and who's who. Um, so when that once that initial contact or introduction happens, I think it's it's crucial for the counselor to really talk about the requirements for university and community college from the very beginning. Oftentimes, I find that um, doing the doing so or having those conversations in tenth, eleventh, or twelfth grade might actually be too late because the student by then might already be credit deficient. Um, And so talking about A through G requirements, um, how to be a strong student, how to prepare for um, post-secondary institutions and what they're going to look for during the student's senior year. Um, So it's sort of that that technical um, piece that's important for students and their parents so that the parents can be part of the journey. But then beyond that, I think it's important to also connect the students to resources. So as a ninth grade student or an incoming student to a nice new high school, um, I think it's important to to figure out where is my place on this campus? What clubs and organizations and sports, what adults on campus are on my team to help me be successful? And how can I involve my parent in in all of that? And then lastly, I think it would be resilience and grit. I think nowadays with with kids, um, it's, it's really hard to be college bound, to stay college bound. Um, It's hard to have the honors courses, the AP courses, extracurricular activities, and at least, um, you know, at the Title I school that I work at, our students have, um, you know, have to babysit their younger siblings. They have part-time jobs. They have a lot that they have going on at home. And so uh, being able to teach them the resiliency and grit um, that it takes to be um, a happy teenager, because I think that's important, but also having having the grades um, and um, the vision of where they see themselves when they graduate high school. Okay. So now that you're mentioning grades, uh, how important is a high school diploma and the high school GPA for college and financial aid? Yeah, so so it's it's important, and I think sometimes we do have to have honest conversations with students about their grades and their classes, right? So um, 
every grade counts and every class counts, whether it be for high school graduation, which is a requirement for the university, um, and for A through G completion. So um, I, I would suggest that uh, students and counselors and any adult on campus have a conversation of what are A through G requirements, the classes that you need to complete in high school in order to be eligible to apply to the four-year university. And if students don't want to go to the university, then I think it's still a good uh, array of classes that students can take to prepare for community college. That being said, um, A through G classes do have to, do require a C or higher. Um, and so really explaining to the students, what does a C mean? What effort, what actions, what tasks do you need to complete in order to have that C or better? So um, in order to apply to the University of California, students do need to have a 3.0 GPA. That is 10th and 11th weighted A through G. And so the role of the counselor is to ensure the students have that information and how to help them get there, whether um, means let's get you into some AP classes to boost up that GPA, because remember, for an AP course, uh, the students will earn one additional point towards that GPA. Um, and then also um, recovery, if a student did earn a, a D in, in an A through G course, um, how, how can we um, recover that credit? So um, the stakes are high when applying to the University of California, um, but the, the university is attainable for all students. It's just a matter of really hitting that 3.0 mark for the University of California. Um, C's are higher if we can do A's and B's even better. Um, and so that, that really, that 3.0 GPA is the gatekeeper into the University of California. So um, making sure that we hit that is, is key. As you're bringing up the A through G, we know that students have many university options. Uh, what are the A through G high school courses to qualify for UC, CSU, private university admissions? So when I'm explaining this to our students, um, I sort of give them a general overview. So A through G requirements, those are the courses that a student would need to take in high school um, and earn a C or better in order to be eligible to apply to the university. Sometimes students meet A through G requirements through dual enrollment or concurrent enrollment. So it's not always just high school classes. Um, and so what, what are those classes exactly? Well, students have to take four years of UC approved English. So that's English every single school, every single school year from 9th through 12th. Um, and then beyond that, the students have to do at least two years of history. So usually that'll be in some form of world history, European history, U.S. history or government. Um, some high school graduation requirements are actually more than two years of history. So typically our students are able to meet those uh, that, that history requirement of two years. Uh, students also need to complete three years of math, but highly, highly encouraged to complete four years. So those four years of math can be integrated math one, two, and three, or algebra, geometry, pre uh, calculus, or pre-calculus. Um, and so especially if students are looking to pursue a STEM career and really major in a, uh, something related to STEM, um, we always encourage students to take that fourth year of math um, to stand out on the UC application. We all know it, it is fairly competitive nowadays, um, but really when students tell me, you know, Miss Medina, I already did my three years of math. I don't want math during my senior year. I always tell them that need is a very relative term. You know, um, I, I find that students who don't take that fourth year of math, they have a harder 
harder time transitioning from high school to college, whether that's a, a four-year university or a community college. What I try to explain to them and, and, and show some perspective that if you don't have math for an entire 16 months from when you're a junior in high school until your day one as a freshman in college, it can be very, very, very challenging. I tell students, you always want to use your math brain. Those skills are going to follow you wherever you go. Um, and so season C's are better in three years of math, but four highly recommended. Um, you know, students also have to take two years of a lab science and again, three years recommended. And so I encourage our students and parents to uh, communicate with their counselors and ask which courses at my high school actually have that lab component and count for A through G completion. So that can be um, one lab, one physical science. Um, so students can do uh, biology, physics, chemistry, um, space and earth science is a new one that has popped up. So one physical science, one lab science for a total of two years, but three recommended. Um, students also have to complete two years of a foreign language. So um, any foreign language, as long as the course is A through G approved, um, in the last two years, I've noticed a lot of students take ASL at the community college, and that does count for A through G requirements. And then they also need to do one year of a visual performing art. I think the UC is really looking for students who are well-rounded, who have hobbies, and so um, spend their time doing things that they love. And so I think that that last A through G requirement of a visual performing art, whether it be music, dance, some engineering classes, um, band, piano, ceramics, all all of those count and I think it helps the students be more well-rounded um, and so C's are better in all of those classes and if a student does not complete the A through G requirements they are not eligible to grab to apply to the UC although there are many ways for us to get creative and help them meet those requirements in case a high school does not offer a specific course the student needs and they're not able to take it at the community college there's validation um, and so we, we try to support students in meeting those. Why should uh, students apply to CSUs, UCs, and private schools? What is the cost to apply to each? And are there any application fee waivers? So why should students apply to a four-year university, Jorge? Um, I'll, I'll say this. I think it really broadens a student's opportunity once they earn that four-year degree and try to enter the workforce as a professional. Um, I think that there is a real sense of an, a heightened self-esteem when you are able to uh, enroll at the university, um, you know, do well in your classes, network with professors, and become really a a new you or a better version of you. Um, and that holds a lot of weight with our students, their families, and the communities that they come from and represent. So um, there is value in a four-year degree as far as um, stability with a job, with salary and benefits, um, a new perspective of the world, how the world works, why are things the way they are, and how do you fit into all of that, and what's in, in your control and your power? How can you make the world a better place? Um, um, I mean, today with, with climate change, it's an election year, there is a lot going on. And so that four-year degree, nobody will be able to take away from you. It will always follow you wherever you go. It's going to help you in terms of your career. 
um, your smarts, your book smart, um, and just um, self-esteem. So uh, how much does it cost to apply for both the California State University and University of California systems? One application for one campus is $70. And so if a student is applying to multiple campuses for the UC and multiple for the CSU, that starts to add up. At least for me and my family, we could not afford that $70 price ticket for each UC. And of course, we want students to apply to multiple. We don't want them to put all their eggs in one basket. So it adds up. And so we don't want that that fee for the application to be a reason why students do not apply and shoot their shots so to speak. So we do have fee waivers available uh, for the UC and CSU. Those waivers are embedded within the application. So when a student is ready to submit, the application itself will tell the student whether or not they qualified for that application fee waiver for the CSU and the UC. For the private universities, they will apply through the Common App. And same thing, there is a fee associated with each campus. And so we also have fee waivers for those applications available for students who do qualify. Often uh, I hear uh, people asking, what is a community college and how is it similar and different to a university? Yeah, another great question. In California, we have a really reputable, solid community college system. And so what is the difference between a four-year university and a community college? Um, you know, I always tell the students It, there are some differences, but they're still going to get a great education either way. So at the community college, when students opt to start at the community college and then transfer to the university two or three years later, I tell them that, um, you know, the courses that they're taking at the community college do count for the transfer and will count towards their four-year university as long as they're meeting with their community college advisor to ensure they're taking the right courses that will meet their requirements for the associate's degree for transfer or whatever may they're deciding to go with. So some of the key differences, the, the community college is cheaper. I think it's the more affordable option. Um, and so if a student is undecided on their major, they're not quite ready to leave home or they just have obligations at home or for whatever reason, the community college is going to be cheaper. It'll be um, It'll be uh, buying them some time to figure out exactly what it is they want to do before they transfer to the university. I mean, I tell my students, I, I already have a full-time job, and sometimes I feel like I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up, and I'm already a grown-up. So so community college buys you some of that time. Um, I would say that at the community college, they actually do have a lot of similar programs and resources that the four-year university does. Nowadays, there are um, study abroad opportunities at the community community college. They have that STEM support network at the community college. They have the career centers. They have the internships. Um, but um, at the four-year university, I think that Sometimes students might be intimidated to reach out for their supports. They feel like um, maybe they didn't quite earn their spot at the four-year university, um, that they don't belong there. At least for, for myself as a graduate of the Proy School, I would step on the UCSD campus and I didn't see many people who looked like me or talked like me or whose experiences or backgrounds were similar to mine. So that made it really challenging. I find that at the community college, um, there is less of that and a student is able to make themselves at home um, more quickly. Um, 
And so uh, the biggest difference, again, in terms of the acceptance and, and the requirements, the community college really only high, offers a high school, re- requires a high school diploma or the equivalent versus the University of California. They do require, you know, that 3.0 GPA, the A through G completion, the extracurricular activities and whatnot. So um, I would say it's easier to get into the community college, but it's also tough. The professors at the community college, some of them also teach at the university and their faculty um, at UC San Diego, at San Marcos, at San Diego State. So it's still a great education at the community college. Um, It is still hard when students tell me it just feels like it's grade 13, just another grade after high school. It's really not. The stakes are high. The GPA matters. The classes that you take and making progress towards transferring or towards the AA it all matters class by class. So um, hopefully I was able to explain a little bit of the differences between the two. What are the university and community application deadlines? And when I speak about or ask about universities, I mean UC, CSUs, and private schools, private universities, and community college application deadlines. And what happens if you miss the deadline? Yeah, so excellent question. I think part of being a high school senior is really being prepared and taking ownership of your education and your future. And in this case, it means what are the deadlines? Are they flexible or not? And why do they matter? So in that sense, community college, um, the, the students would be applying for those programs, those those colleges in the, in the spring. Um, so none of that work really happens right now. It would happen sometime in early spring where students will fill out their application, complete their orientation, have their advising session with one of their advisors at the community college, and then enroll in classes. For the uh, the four-year universities, for the UC, those applications are due November 30th. That is a hard, strict deadline. I always encourage students to apply a week before that um, because we don't want the system to crash. We don't want them to have to rush and have errors on those applications. So November 2nd is, or November 30th is that hard, strict deadline. Um, for the California State Universities, those are actually due December 4th. So they have a little bit more time um and by a little i mean four more days which really isn't that much um and so again that is a hard set deadline it's very competitive to get into a four year university nowadays so um it's almost a screening tool is the student ready for a university and um, did they meet that application deadline for the community colleges through uh, I'm sorry through the private universities they're going to be applying through the common application and so those deadlines really vary campus by campus so some are due um, early in the fall others are due until the start of the um, the winter spring quarter or semester so um, I, I encourage our seniors to look through the common application, reach out to an admissions counselor from that private university to uh, verify what that deadline is, um, especially for any supplemental information that they're asking for. And what about the community colleges? The deadlines for community colleges? Yes. So uh, for community college, there's not quite a hard set deadline. There is. It's very close to the start of the semester. But our internal deadline with our students, we want them to apply in early spring and complete all the matriculation steps. So application, orientation, meeting with an advisor, and then um, enrolling in classes. sometime in early mid spring, um, but they will accept your application 
a few days before the, the semester starts. But we don't want students to do that because then they are not getting priority registration and they might not get the classes that they need. Our community colleges, because they're so... Um, they're um, very strong. Um, they have an array of programs. They're also competitive as far as getting the classes that you need. And so we want to make sure our students apply earlier rather than later. We heard about financial aid, about two applications, one of them being FAFSA and the other one being DREAM Act. What is each, what are the deadlines for each and what happens if you miss the deadline? So I always tell students, one thing is to apply and be admitted to the university and a, is, and a whole nother project is how are we going to fund your education and how are we going to figure out the scholarships and grants and work study so that you can afford to go to college. And again, equity and access. We don't want financial aid or lack thereof for students for, to be the reason why students don't pursue a four-year university. Um, and so, yes, we have to have our students complete the FAFSA or the California Dream Act. And so uh, the FAFSA is for students who are permanent residents or U.S. citizens and they have a social security number. The California Dream Act is for students who are undocumented or unauthorized immigrants, um, and it's not necessarily tied to DACA. So um, st if students are unsure about which of the two they should apply to, they, they can reach out to their counselor or a financial aid expert. In general, these two applications are very, very similar. The way the questions are asked, their deadlines very similar. These applications, the FAFSA and California Dream Act, they are basically a socioeconomic study to determine what type, if any, type of financial aid the student would qualify for. So it would ask the student how many people are in the household, what the income is of their biological parents or court-appointed guardian. Uh, they will also ask when they move to California to determine whether they pay in-state tuition or out-of-state tuition. And so an array of questions as far as what finances are coming into the household. So disability benefits, retirement, unemployment, food stamps, what, how much money they have in savings. And then once the student completes the application, whether it's a FAFSA or a California Dream Act, the system will generate an email and email the student a confirmation. On that confirmation, it'll have the student's EFC, that stands for expected family contribution. So what that means is based on what we reported on the FAFSA or California Dream Act, this is how much the government thinks the student's family can afford to pay towards school for that school year. And so having a higher EFC, such as $20,000, that means that based on what the student reported on their financial aid application, that family can afford to pay $20,000 towards school for that school year. If their EFC is zero, um, that means the student can afford to pay zero dollars towards their education. So that EFC is very important in gauging and determining how much financial aid the student will be getting. And so that uh, the priority deadline for priority financial aid is March 2nd. That is a hard set deadline. There is no flexibility on that deadline. And so, again, we encourage students to apply early. Those applications open on October 1st. They are due again by March second. And the various campuses, our high school campuses, have tons of support to help students with those applications. So there's no reason why a student wouldn't be able to meet that March 2nd deadline to lock in their financial aid for the following school year. Besides the FAFSA and the or the DREAM Act application, 
uh, for financial aid. What other kinds of financial aid are available to help pay for a community college and a university? And where can students find these? Okay, great question. So students will say that they've completed their FAFSA and they're ready to go. And what is the next step? So as I mentioned earlier, the FAFSA will determine what you qualify for. And so we have tons of grants and supports for students to pursue their their uh, college and career dreams. So one of those would be the Pell Grant. So that's the federal grant for students to pay towards uh, their education. Um, in California, we have the Cal Grant. And so that is our, our state aid program that's run through the California Student Aid Commission. We also have work study. And so work study is when students request uh, funds from the federal government to have a job on campus or elsewhere, uh, depending on the university and what they allow, what they consider a job on campus. And so um, the, the money earned from the student's hourly wage comes from the federal government and helps pay for the student's schooling. Um, we also have um, loans. Um, I always tell students we want to borrow wisely, but it is an investment in you, your family, your future. And so Sometimes we do have to resort to taking out student loans, and they're not necessarily a bad thing. I personally had to take out student loans for my master's degree, but now I have my dream job that I enjoy very much. And so um, we also have scholarships. Um, scholarships from um, various groups around town, um, throughout the city, the state, the country. Um, I tell students to apply to the local ones first and then sort of seek out those um, that are looking for a, a broad population of students to apply. Um, and then we have the individual institutional aid, money that comes from the individual universities. And they, you know, they, they screen applicants and they look to see who, who they can support and and they do so based on need and based on merit and so um when students say, how do I apply to um, the Pell Grant and the Cal Grant and work study? I tell them it's your FAFSA or your California Dream Act. So it is easy in that sense, um, just like the University of California application is sent to the different universities, campuses the students pick. Same with the FAFSA and the California Dream Act for Cal Grant. So you fill out your FAFSA or California Dream Act, and that is your application for Pell Grant. That is your application for Cal Grant. And that's also your application for institutional aid and work study. So I will make one note, our students who fill out the California Dream Act, they're not eligible for federal aid, um, but in California, we have tons of supports for those students. Even those who are going to a community college, we have our Promise Grant um, that will help fund tuition for students. If parents need to see a school counselor more than one time to talk about A through G, college, or financial aid, is it normal to do so? Yes, it is normal uh, for students and their parents to meet with their counselor more than once in a school year. So several times between ninth and 12th grade, because each year it's one step closer, one more task or deadline to meet in order for the student to be eligible to go to the UC or the CSU. And so um, I encourage parents to seek out those opportunities to come onto campus to connect with teachers, 
counselors, and administrators. So we have lots and lots of opportunities for parents to engage and become involved from uh, PTAs. Um, we have BICE organizations on our campus that run six to eight week uh, courses for parents to teach them on college requirements, how to support your child through their education. Um, we have uh, community centers on our various campuses um, and community that also involves and includes the parent for resources and how, again, how do you su- how to support your child. Um, and then that one-on-one session with your counselor also is very important. And so if a student and parent would like to meet with their counselor, they will not be turned down. They should not be turned down because the counselor is as much of a resource to the student but also to the parent. And so what you would do is you would contact your counselor um, via email or phone call or through a portal that they're using to schedule that appointment. And so in that appointment, some questions that you can ask or that I encourage you to ask your counselor would be number one, how is my child doing? Are they on track to complete their A through G requirements? And if not, how are we going to get them back on track? And what role do I play in that plan? Another question is, you know, if you are worried about financial aid, what financial aid resources does this high school campus have? Is there a scholarship bulletin? Is there an online website? Do you have a financial aid night for parents? Is it in Spanish or any other language? And make sure you're marking those dates and taking notes so that you can follow up on any upcoming dates. The third question I would ask your counselor would be, Um, As a parent, is there anything that I can do? What barriers can I remove so that my child can um, feel safe and free to ask me questions about the university they want to go to, moving away from home, and how we're going to pay for that? At least for me and my experience, I graduated high school in 2005 and having those conversations with my parent, it it was challenging when I told them I wanted to leave San Diego and I wanted to go elsewhere. So I think a counselor can help the student and the parent and facilitate that conversation about what does my future look like when I graduate high school? What opportunities are available and how can the parent and the student work together to make that happen? Besides the school counselor or PTA, uh, who else can they ask for help? What, What other programs can they look around on campus to see and ask for support? Yeah, so I'll say this. Um, I always tell students, you want to have as many adults on your team as possible to help you be successful. There are tons of deadlines, tons of tasks and obligations a student needs to complete during their senior year to complete the matriculation process. And so who are all of these adults that they can reach out to? Who are these programs they can seek out? Well, first and foremost, our various Title I campuses, high school campuses, have federal funding to run pre-college outreach programs. So these are our TRIO programs, our Upward Bound, Upward Bound Math and Science, Educational Talent Search. And so these programs hire trained college access professionals to work one-on-one and in small groups with students and help them and guide them and give them the information so they can make informed decisions about their future. Uh, Our federally funded TRIO programs, uh, because they're federally funded, they're open to students who are here uh, legally, they're U.S. citizens or permanent residents, and they're either low income or first in their families to go to college. 
But we also have other programs who reach more students, a broader audience that they that they look for. So those would be, for example, our CalSOAP programs. And so CalSOAP also hires uh, college access professionals, paraprofessionals, first generation students who are also in college and really look like our high school students and share similar experiences. Um, those advisors can also help students uh, review applications, review FAFSAs, refer them to various scholarships. Um, we also have Puente projects. We have AVID on our campuses. We have various resource offices and centers on our campuses where students can go bring their Chromebook, bring their questions, and there is always somebody staffing that center who would be able to answer that question. So it's up to the student to seek out these resources. A counselor will send out information to students and families, but the student does have to respond and say, yes, I am college bound and proud, but I need help and I have questions. You mentioned emotional support in addition to academic support. Can you explain how you provide each? Yes, the college application process can be quite stressful. I'm not just speaking from my own experience, but as a high school counselor, when I was informing my practice, I really came to terms with the fact that while academics and grades matter, you cannot teach a student who is sad, who is depressed, or who has social and emotional needs. It's very challenging to do so. So we need to make sure that we are taking care of the whole student. So as far as mental health resources, we do have therapists on campus who provide uh, therapy, whether it's teletherapy or in-person therapy, to help students organize their thoughts and really be able to articulate what is bothering them, why, and helping them figure out what would be a way to remove that barrier or the anxiety or the stress or whatever it might be. We have students whose parents have been deported. We have students who are constantly moving or are homeless or are in charge of their younger siblings, especially under COVID-19 and everything that that, that, that has um, caused as far as how we do business. So therapies on campus, those are free. Uh, your counselor not only helps with the academic and the career, but also the social emotional. Um, you also have your teachers, your different academies on the campuses. And lastly, you can also talk to your administrators, your principal and your vice principal. Sometimes you'd be surprised at how helpful they can be. And the fact that they do see you as a human, as a teenager, as somebody who just wants to be listened to. So seek out that help and that support, especially during the, the chaotic college application season. When I say chaotic, I think it's organized chaos. There's a lot happening in a short amount of time, but students do a good job of managing their time for the most part. And so if things start to spiral out of control, definitely seek help. Um, I, I want students to understand that mental health is a legitimate need. And so just like you come into the counseling office to get help on your college application, feel free to also come into our, our counseling office to seek social, emotional, mental help or support. What do students ask you most often about applying to college? And what do you wish they would ask you instead? Yeah, that's a great question. So the students ask me tons of questions. Um, they ask me in Spanish. Sometimes they feel more comfortable asking in their native language. And so 
If I'm honest with you, the question they ask most often, Miss Medina, do you think I can go to a four-year university? So tell me. And so really what they're asking is for me to evaluate them and whether or not I think they're a good fit for the university. And whenever they ask me that, it makes me sad because every student does belong in college if that's their goal. And so, yes, I tell them college is for you. Um, and, and let's do some research and figure out which college or university is a right fit for you, uh, for your career goals, for your personality. Some students love the, the USC's of the world and the school spirit and the football. And other students would feel more comfortable in, in a small liberal arts college that doesn't have so much school spirit and so much going on um, on that front, but still offer offers a really strong academic program. So um, yeah, students do belong in college and let's figure out how we can help you get there. And what I wish they would ask me more often, I don't think it's what I want them to ask me. I think it's when they ask me. I want them to ask me about college early on because first semester of senior year, oftentimes it's too late. We already talked about A through G requirements and that students need to earn a C or better. So as a senior, one D might already close that door for you. So let's talk about college in ninth and 10th grade. And that's why as a school counselor, I rely so heavily on our college access programs such as TRIO and CalSOAP because part of their responsibility is to inform our students in ninth and 10th grade and prepare them for what's to come in 11th grade and 12th grade. So let's start these conversations early. Who can we bring in to connect our kids? Who can be role models for them so they can see themselves at the four-year university or community college as they see fit? What advice do you have for students who will be the first in their families to go to college? So I'll say two things. First and foremost, for my students who are planning to be the first in their families to go to college, is to involve your family in that process. Um, you know, parents are very proud of their kids. And so you going to college is great because it, it it's a milestone, but you know, it, it really does take a village from teachers, staff, parents, admissions counselors, or other trusted adults that the students work with. So involve your parents because they're very proud to support you through that process. They might not understand the logistics and how to make this happen, but their voice and their opinion and their pride for their kids holds a lot of weight through this whole process. And so at the finish line, when you complete your student intent to register your SIR by May 1st, having your parent there is a really, really great feeling. And parent, I use that loosely. You know, it could be a trusted adult that you live with, uh, you know, a grandparent, an aunt or uncle, somebody who's been with you through thick and thin. Involving them makes it more sweet. The second thing that I would say is really ask for help. So when I was in high school, I had really, really great grades. And when I came to UC San Diego, it was a bit of a culture shock for me. Um, and I did take the AP classes and the honor courses in high school. And I thought I was prepared academically. And when I came to UC San Diego, um, I, I did struggle for a quarter or two in trying to figure out where do I go for what. So uh you have to advocate for yourself when you're transitioning into college. In high school, you have your teachers and your counselors to help you. In college, you have to learn to be a little self-sufficient. And that means asking your help when you, when you need to. Sometimes the question is, 
I don't know what I don't know and I don't know where to go, but here's my problem. And so um, universities have um, identity-based resource centers such as Black or African-American resource centers, women's centers, dreamer centers, um, Asian Pacific Islander centers. So seek out the help. We have career counselors, we have advisors, we have mental health professionals. All it takes is that one phone call or email or walk in into that office and it could really change the trajectory of your experience at the university or community college. How can students best engage their families with their college goals? So I would say step one would be to make sure you're involving your parents by inviting them to the various events and activities that your school is putting on. So anything from college nights, financial aid FAFSA nights, beacon invitations, coffee with the principal, all those conversations really add up to that culminating event of senior year and picking the college or university that you're going to go to. I would say it can be scary sharing your grades with your parents, but I think that's another piece to this is transparency and telling them, hey mom, hey dad, hey grandma, I'm really struggling in AP US history. Here's what I've done thus far. It's just not working. Can we work together to figure out what I need to change or do differently to be successful in that class. Showing your grades, I think, is really important. And the last one, I think, again, like I said, you want to make sure that you're sharing your your concerns, whether you have stress, anxiety, or whatnot. Share it with your parents. Share that burden. Sometimes that burden is lessened when you share it with adults who you trust and whom you love and who love you too. Um, it is scary sometimes to let parents know, you know, I'm really stressed out because you feel like you don't want to put that on their plate or you want you don't want to burden them. But trust me when I say your parents do love you and they want to support you. And it's it's your job to let them know what's going on so they can fill in and remove those barriers for you. It, it is hard to be a college-bound student in high school. It's even harder when you are a low-income student or the first in your family to go to college. But in the end, it is so worth it. I would say some of the best days of my life were when I graduated with my bachelor's degree from UC San Diego and my master's degree from Point Loma Nazarene University. And when I look back, all of those bumps in the road, all those trials and tribulations that I had to overcome, it was all so worth it because... I'm just stronger for it, and now I'm able to represent myself, my family, and my community through my education, and there is um, great pride that comes with that, and um, I, I can live my life knowing that I do have that education I can always fall back to when things get hard. Thank you very much, Isela.